You're listening to ASD Warrior, a podcast about the journey of getting your PhD in your child on the spectrum. With over a decade of success and challenges, it's time to share and support all of you ASD Warriors. Hosted by your always passionate and wildly intense ASD Warrior teacher, child advocate, and mom, Kathy Galbraith Willoughby. On this episode of ASD Warrior, I want to talk about building language 2.0. Something I've seen recently with my 15-year-old that really made me think, wow, some of the things that happened early on in language development, things that I may have been able to support more that could have enhanced his development, things I want to share. So you don't want to miss. Building Language 2.0. It came to me um, most recently when I uh, was observing some different behavior patterns um, with Nathan. Um, you know, there's always moments where he has, um, he needs to disconnect, he needs to do his, what we call kind of stimming, we call wigging. Um, and it's really his just way of being in his head, being okay with being in his head and having the freedom to do whatever he wants to do in that time and space. It's usually either in the car or at the house. So we do try to manage it a little bit. The reason why I say that is because um, you get kind of uh, used to a certain level of um, kind of noise and he's running around and he's dancing and he's just doing his own thing and he's just having the best time. And it's his way to have those moments and to be okay with it that um, allow him to focus and have moments of connection. You know, it's all about balance. Um, and I think that's a very critical thing and maybe um, a different conversation for another podcast um, because it is very important that they understand that they have time and space to do what they need to do. But the reason why I wanted to bring up, you know, building language 2.0 is, you know, recently I had found, um, you know, he really watches a lot of YouTube, right? You know, and I have access because we share the same account and I manage it that way, even though it does bug him uh, because he says he never watches things that have bad language and all that kind of stuff, though I have caught it at times. Anyway, I digress. Um, he watches it a lot. And, um, you know, there's so many things out there um, with our kids about, you know, screen time and limiting it and they should read books and, you know, all these different things. And I am in total agreement if, in fact, that is the best way that they learn. Right. And, and it goes back to understanding how their brain works. And this is all children. But more importantly, I think as we focus on kids that we are maybe trying to mainstream, which we are doing right now with Nathan, is to how do they learn to keep them at that same pace and supporting that that vehicle of learning and um, engagement. And so what I noticed probably over maybe even the last couple of years is he really enjoys, you know, a lot of probably the same shows. He likes to watch, you know, gamers get on there and play games and get past certain levels because he's obsessed with gaming. Um, he loves certain games that he um, in, enjoys watching as well as playing. And he's very good hand-eye coordination. So it's a good feel for him and success. Um, so he watches a lot of these gamers. He watches a lot of the shows where cats do funny things and, you know, um, and birds, and he loves different animals, and he loves penguins. So, so I'm, I'm giving you kind of a, a scope of, uh, or a perspective of, you know, what he's exposed to. 
But more, more recently, what I've noticed is he's been listening to these conversations and they're usually funny, you know, um, kind of slapstick, you know, somebody gets hurt or somebody falls off a bike and that, you know, whatever the case may be, it's that kind of feed adrenaline and a reaction that he really um, loves and it just makes him just laugh like crazy. But a lot of them have kind of conversations going on. So you've got a lot of these YouTube videos that, you know, one person's talking, the other person's responding. They've got strong visual. Um, They're talking about a subject matter that then they kind of put on the screen. And so it really is building that visual template to kind of understand um, what is being talked about and what's going on. So all these great things are happening, right? So... I'm like, okay, this is good. You know, he's kind of seeing interaction. Um, you know, he's possibly learning how communication, you know, happens, you know, how you talk about a subject matter, because between these conversations of two people talking on YouTube, there's also, you know, um, a topic that then is, you know, shown. And so really I'm thinking, God, this is really great, right? Like this is really maybe building some sort of um, kind of visual template, you know, visual understanding of, what people are talking about today. Great. So <laughs> this kind of turns into instead of him doing, you know, a lot of the, the same things with having his headphones on and he's running around and he's dancing and, you know, he's reenacting a video game in real life in the house. And you know, that was kind of his way of disconnecting and stimming and kind of feeding a very visually strong um, thing that he does to kind of connect, re-energize and all that kind of good stuff. We hear him talking to himself. But not just talking to himself, because that tends to be a very normal thing for Nathan. And I think that it has been something that it kind of helps him um, build confidence in language. Right. Because it, even though it is sometimes repetitive, um, it, it tends to be used for him in original conversation, which we've noticed over the years. Some people might call it echo lang, but um, we tend to call it something a little different, you know, in, in that that's how he kind of learns is he has to have a visual and then he's able to use it for his own. But we started noticing a two-sided conversation and I was like, oh, getting a little worried, right? Like we all do like, oh, what what's that? What's that rearing its little head there? And um, I thought to myself, Maybe I better pay attention to what's happening, right? Because I'm going to digress for a moment and let you know kind of where my head went, because that might be the funny part in this whole thing. When we first got Nathan diagnosed, we went in and talked to the child neurologist. You know, my ex-husband and I are sitting there going, oh, I don't, you know, how does this happen? Right. You know, because you're still trying to figure out what it's all about. And then you're trying to probably deal with your own self guilt of, gosh, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? Was I too old? You know, all these things that we do and we're trying to understand it. And the, the neurologist got up there and said, OK, so I'm going to write down all of these um, things that, you know, or disabilities diagnosis um, that can affect the brain. And so he start going to, you know, the gut head relationship, people that have, you know, celiac disease, um, you know, people that have thyroid issues, um, OCD, anxiety, depression. I mean, you know, just going through all of this stuff, it could, you know, manifest into bipolar or, you know, manic depressant or, or, or all these different things, because it's all kind of, you know, the way the brain works, how it's functioning, not functioning, and, and how it's all sometimes very interrelated. So in the back of my mind, okay, and now you might be knowing where I'm going with this, I'm thinking, 
this might be something more serious. He's talking to himself in a two-sided conversation. <laughs> I'm like, crap, <laughs> what does this mean? And this just happened, you know, recently, right? Now, the whole time, I'm not piecing it together until I, you know, stop worrying, right? And then just became more observant. That he's actually getting a lot better at conversations, right? So think about that for just a second. He's talking to himself and having two-sided conversations from things that he has seen and watched about topics that he has built his visual on. And he's now approaching people in different places and starting conversations that aren't just about what he wants to talk about. You know what I'm talking about, the uncomfortable. Okay, stop talking about penguins with random people in Walmart. Okay, we're past that. But real conversations, thoughtful. He's looking for reactions from the other person that he's talking to and responding appropriately. Okay, I'm, I'm having a moment, right? Like, I'm like, whoa, whoa, what just happened? So I'm backtracking because I analyze everything. It's just the way that I am. I wanna figure out how did this happen? How can I help it, support it, and understand it better, right? And then get on here and tell you. So. I'm like, okay, maybe it's part of this whole talking to himself and he's practicing conversations. Now, if you think about it, when we're, when we're growing up, our neurotypical self, we watch and observe and we listen and we're with our, you know, grandparents, our aunties, our aunt, you know, our uncles, um, our cousins, you know, we learn that way because in my perspective, we are able to manage the overall sensories that's going on with, you know, let's, let's just take an example. We've got the holidays coming up. You're at a holiday event. You've got people talking, you've got wine glasses clinking, you've got people cooking in the kitchen. You know, you've got different temperatures going on. Kids are running around interactions going on. People are expecting you to connect to them. And our kids on the spectrum are like, are you flipping kidding me? Like this is a nightmare. I can't manage anything. So they can't absorb conversations. They can't watch interactions sometimes with the intensity and the ability to learn from them. And so there is that delay piece because they can't manage sometimes the confusion that's going on in their head sensory wise. Okay. So because of that, they're delayed. And because our kids are on the spectrum, sometimes they're not able to manage that input, you know, the sensory overload. Um, the way that their brain works. And because the spectrum is so broad, I'm also speaking in my lane and I'm hoping that what I can give you is something that could work for your child. But as we know, they all are different. So I'm sitting here and I have an epiphany and the epiphany comes when, weird moment, but my son plays Call of Duty and he has to put the mic on because he likes to talk to everybody. So the first time he's on there, though, which was probably, I don't know, four or five months ago. So this is very, very recent for him, this development piece. He's on there and I can hear him talking and I'm like, oh, gosh. OK, because, you know, he's not talking like a 15 year old would. Right. Like he's like, oh, dude, you shot me. What? rude you know and you're like okay dude it, it, nate it is a <laughs> it's a shooting game okay <laughs> like you know so we're, st we're, st we're st i'm sitting there in the kitchen and i'm listening to him and i hear 
Nathan say, because he's got the headset on. Yeah, 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 I, I do have autism. Because one of the people on there, I don't know how old, young, whatever, asked him, you know, or said, hey, you must be autistic. And he's like, yeah, I have autism. So what I'm trying to give you is that from that time, he wasn't really talking appropriately, Larry, language, communication driven. And, and, you know, somebody calls it out on one game of Call of Duty, right? So just, you know, great that we as a society are having more awareness of what that manifests and looks like, but sad from a standpoint for me, because I'm like, dang it, you know, he just wanted to have a moment and playing it. Now, mind you, he doesn't think that it's a bad thing. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but it was one of those things that somebody poked at. And, you know, it kind of hurt me a little bit because I'm like, dang it. You know, I don't, I don't want that to be a topic of a conversation when you're trying to connect in a moment. Right. So fast forward, oh gosh, maybe two or three months down the road. Now, mind you, all this is in the background that I've explained earlier is happening. He's talking to himself. I'm kind of like, I don't, you know, I, I'm almost not even wanting to like address it. I'm like, I'm just gonna let it go. He's doing fine in school. He's great. You know, he's connecting with me. I'm just gonna let it go. And so all this is going on in the bathroom background. He's talking to himself and he's having two way conversations and they're very appropriate, right? Like, and they're with inflection and very dramatic. Now he is taking drama now and he's quite good at it. Um, and so, you know, that was part of it too. It wasn't just a conversation. It was like, and this happened, you're kidding me. And, you know, going back and forth with a conversation, I'm like, wow, okay, this is different. So fast forward to most recently, and we're listening to him, you know, cause he's playing call of duty. I'm in the kitchen cooking. And so I'm like right there and I'm just listening and, you know, watching him and, and you know, he's totally relaxed and he's got the headset on, he's talking and, he starts talking to everybody, but now it's like, Hey dude, don't worry about it. I got your back. I'll go get the pack. You know, you go ahead. I got you. I've covered you. Oh my God. That guy's camping over there. Can you believe that? Hey, go get him over there. It's all like what you'd expect a conversation on call of duty to be. And I'm just kind of like, Oh, that's so good. Right. And I'm thinking, Oh, this is great. Well then, you know, we keep going, you know, Nate and I go to the gym all the time together. Um, it's part of his PE. And so, um, and it's also the way that he gets McDonald's smart note people out there. Cause I'm trying to manage a little bit of his calorie intake. He only gets McDonald's when he goes to the gym. So that kid every morning is like, are we going to the gym? Are we going to the gym? It's keep me on my toes going to the gym anyway. So we go to the gym one day and you know, I have like a little bit of a stomach issue. Right. And I'm telling you this because I'm like, we get done working on my like, Hey, I've got to go to the restroom. So when you want to wait for me, I don't tell him anything more than that. Right. So he sits down and all of a sudden I'm in the restroom because I can hear everything out there. It's a really small gym and he's talking to someone. And of course I'm like, you know, I'm like having a little bit of a tummy issue, but I'm inside going, Oh my gosh, I need to get out there. What's happening. I don't know what, who he's talking to. And I'm, I'm midi panicking in, in the moment, you know, and <laughs> being a little TMI right now, but I'm like, okay, I need to get out there. I need to get this moving. I don't want him to put, you know, put himself in a precarious situation. So <laughs> I finally get done. I go out there and mind you, he is telling jokes. He is talking to people and I am like, okay, Mr. Social bug, you know, what's let's, Hey, let's get going. And, you know, and all of a sudden I, I realize, you know, as I'm walking by and he's talking to the gal that works behind the desk at the gym He's like, oh, mom, don't worry. I let her know that you have, um, that you're lactose intolerant. And sometimes, you know, you just got to use the restroom. And I'm like, 
And there we go. There's a lesson we need to learn about how much do we share to people and how do we talk? <laughs> anyway, so everyone at the gym now knows that, you know, I'm lactose intolerant. But anyway, I digress. Um, you know, it was it was a brilliant moment, nonetheless, even though. And I hate that I do this. I always panic. It's that protective mechanism of like, oh, my gosh, who are you talking to? What are you saying? You know, and he was perfectly fine and she was perfectly fine with him. You know, maybe was it something that she recognized that he wasn't, you know, normal air quotes, possibly, you know, but was he holding his own and was he happy? And was he having a two sided conversation, not with himself, but with someone else? Yes. It was reactive, it was informative, and he was trying to engage. Beautiful moment. I may not pick that topic, but beautiful moment nonetheless. So I started to look back though. Yeah, me, analyzing everything. Just want to figure this out. Like, how did we get there? How did we get there so fast? How did we go from people pointing out that he has autism on the headset on Call of Duty to him having regular conversations now on Call of Duty? and enjoying himself and talking more, talking appropriately and really having a great time to going to the gym and starting conversations, getting up from the seat, going up to approach this gal, telling her jokes, really connecting. She's smiling when, you know, we leave the place and really had a good conversation with him. Like what happened? So I want to go back to my comment about screen time, right? One of the things that I've noticed in so many conversations, so many um, posts on some of the autism support parent sites on Facebook and different things is that, you know, oh my gosh, all, all they want to do is be on the screen. All they want to do is, you know, um, play video games, whatever the case may be. I think it goes back to an overwhelming need for visual stimulation. I've even noticed over the years, sometimes it's how I calmed him down when he was a lot younger is to have the iPad in the car. He's kind of stressing out, give him the iPad and it just kind of calms him down, but also re-energizes him in a good way, not an anxious way. So I have always in the back of my mind, though, been like, oh, my gosh, I should read more to him. We should do this. But yet he gets so much from visual stimulation, right? And he learns that way. And it's even more so supported as I've homeschooled him. And I really see kind of his development and kind of how easy it is to teach him now. A little example here, just to give you some perspective. We were reading a poem about the Ode Grecian Urn um, by Keats. And, you know, it is a it's a poem that is part of the curriculum in um, his freshman year in high school. And um, so we're, you know, dissecting it. Well, before we even get into reading it, I'm online going to um, a YouTube site that talks about the reason why shows pictures of urns. We pause it. I get a picture out of, of him when he's a baby. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you look at this picture and you think Nathan is only, you know, this age, but now look, you're 15. Again, I'm trying to front load like the idea of immortality and mortality of the Grecian urn that, you know, gives you perspective of a moment in time, not necessarily the life of, and really kind of talking about that perspective. Well, that's, complicated, obviously. Um, and it's kind of a very um, reflective kind of idea and thought. But I know I have to front load with pictures, right? So going back to what I was saying about screen time, 
I've always struggled with people's perception or perspective, I should say, of him having too much screen time and he's not connecting. And yet what I've realized is that in a lot of ways still needs to be managed, obviously, and we're trying to find things that really support development and growth, but more importantly, connection and confidence. And, you know, finding those platforms, those um, those YouTubes, whatever the case may be, to help build their bank. Again, going back to a normal air quotes child ourselves, you know, in a situation in family, we're able to really focus on conversations, facial expressions, language that's being communicated amongst cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, parents, where I think that piece doesn't happen. They're usually in their own world. They've disconnected. There's too much going on. They can't manage all of the stimulus. So it doesn't happen. So then how does it happen for them? Right? We think it's just going to happen in speech therapy. We think it's just going to happen at other family functions. Do we think that they're not capable? Well, again, we all don't know how the spectrum impacts each child's diagnosis. It's our job in getting the PhD to try to best understand it with our child. It's our responsibility because the more we can bring to those conversations where decisions are being made, the better for our child. But what I realized is that he learns by seeing in his world, he puts everything else off. He's got headphones on. He's plugged in to YouTube. He's not hearing anything else. And he's allowing his brain to hear something, see something, build a template that allows him then to build language because now he can reflect and find it. Because if you think about it, at least for him, he learns by visual, visual started language. Think about when I talked about building language one, there's the connection, they find TV shows, all of a sudden you start using the language with the same safe facial expression, you're maybe acting as a character. A lot of them are very good in drama because think about it, they have seen something, how it acts, they feel comfortable, they know how to use it know how to use it. They learn visually, find screen time, find communication. Somebody out there make an app <laughs> that talks about conversations and language, but don't make it so boring that they won't continue to watch it because there's also a piece of repetitiveness. They need to see it a couple of times, not just one time. Um, and so it needs to be interactive and it needs to be real life. Um, one of the things that bothered me a little bit about ABA therapy when we first started and maybe he needed it initially, but then I had to kind of step in and change it was when they talked to him like ABA speak. And some of you know what I'm talking about. It's not sentences. It's just commands. It's not really language that they're going to see out in the world and be able to respond to. It's like, not that. Choose again. Okay. Maybe in the beginning they need it. But manage that and watch that as they learn language and they learn how to react and they're trying to live in their world that you don't stay there forever. That's just my little tidbit that helped Nathan when he started talking and trying to interact more appropriately, age appropriate, situational appropriate. We're still not going to talk to him like nobody else in the world is going to talk to him. Right. Side note, I didn't mean to digress. It just popped in my head. Thought it was useful. So. Going back to talking about building language, building language visually, don't sometimes think that 
the way you're spending time, the way you're trying to teach your child all has to be from books and read. Because if you think about it, they don't sometimes learn auditorially first, which is why anytime I'm doing dealing with something in a concept basis or that I need to have imagery to build the thought and the understanding, I always start with visual. I go to YouTube. I go, you know, with some of these books, you know, um, he's reading Romeo and Juliet now. We, we buy the book that's in the more cartoon version so that he can see pictures along the way and he just gets it like the then the concept the higher level concepts that we're really trying to understand in school he gets sometimes that's easier for our kids so really look at and don't look at it as such a bad thing that they spend sometimes more screen time i'm not saying that they have to but if you know that your child learns visually then find visual formats even before they sit through a lecture in class or whatever it is they're doing in their special day class front load visually implant thoughts ideas come from a basis of reflection in the mind and being able to then build an understanding if they have a hard time creating that on their own and they haven't been privy to those conversations early on in family where they could really connect they weren't connecting they were running around the house they were doing their own things they didn't learn those things so we have to figure out a way to best support that learning style to front load their understanding so that they can learn how to communicate in whichever way that they're going to communicate through a computer you know if they can talk, if it's just facial expressions, if it's pointing, it's sign language, whatever it is, they still need to have a functional understanding of concepts, thoughts, ideas, connections before you're able to build on an understanding. So think about that as you look at screen time and don't kick yourself and get guilty and feel sad because you're just letting them be on the iPad. But what I will say is sometimes try to find platforms and resources and apps that help build their understanding. Watching that and understanding what they're watching and, and then building a conversation from it based on you and their connection. I mean, it's again, it seems like it's a lot, but it's not. It's just connecting with them, seeing how they think, what is their world about right now, jumping into their world to form connection and trust, pulling them out. That helps build language, connection, clarity, and confidence. So I learned that he's 15. Do you know how many years of guilt I had because he was on that screen so much? And it was in your gut. Like it's, it's that pit, you know, that when you feel bad about it, you're like, oh gosh, I should, you know, I should maybe read more. I should do this. I mean, it's always that, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. And maybe it would have made a difference. And I literally had that epiphany moment and maybe it was, you know, self confidence or like, well, maybe it wasn't such a bad thing. <laughs> Who knows? But he learned language that way. He's using it appropriately with inflection and tone. And it's not inappropriate. I mean, it's, it's appropriate. It's not overly done, which mind you, he can overly do in drama and he's quite good at it, but he doesn't do it in language. It's like, he's learning a little bit of that kind of social coolness, which is just craziness. And I love it because he's watched it and now he knows how to use it and it's building confidence. So good stuff. It all goes back to in like the one, two, three of sometimes building that language and connection with your child is understanding how they learn 
what they're using to learn more. How do you support it? How do you, you get more of it? And how do you inevitably build confidence in their way they use it? It's brilliant. It's good stuff. Take a look at what you're doing, what you have, and uh, keep doing it. It's toolbox time on ASD Warrior. On this ASD toolbox, it's all about more screen time, <laughs> which will probably make some teachers and educators and all those people out there cringe. But, you know, really from what we've talked about today is finding moments where you can identify visually stimulating teachable things on their iPads, their computers, anything that you can use to build connection, understanding, and their ability to use the visual of situations to build their database of imagery because imagery builds language and it then builds understanding from complex social situations to be able to then reflect on when they've seen it, how it's been used, and outcomes of things that they want, which is connections, building relationships, um, and having moments of feeling confident in that space all on their own. So the challenge is see what they're watching, see what they're into, um, find moments to sit and watch the crazy cat videos with them, talk about what was funny, what you liked. It's at initial stages of them actually talking about what they see and what they like with one of the most important people in their life, which is you, their parents. Start to then look at some of the, the other ways that, that you could teach, you know, when they're learning something, um, building that visual template, um, so that they understand um, what you're talking about and are able to at times build on more of the conceptual understanding of the whys behind certain poems, certain books. What was the intention? What should you feel and know? And then more importantly, and when you're talking about building language 2.0, is letting them see language. Letting them see in, in movies we've talked about, you know, there are two-sided conversations. Are there things on YouTube that they really like where they're learning more socially acceptable language and social situations and communications? Are there, you know, programs out there that they can go and, and have two-sided conversations um, with, you know, people that are maybe challenged or not challenged? Um, they have to be able to see it. You know, because in those situations, maybe you record it and then they watch it over and over again and they see themselves in that situation and that builds confidence. I don't know. I mean, I, I think what I see now and, and the, the growth that he has had, it's just been amazing. Um, and him watching and talking to himself and having two-sided conversations, which at first I thought was, oh my gosh, maybe we need to go see the neurologist again to really his way of learning language and being able to use it more effectively and building that base of imagery in there so that he can draw on it for future conversations, connections, and moments where he feels confident in his own skin. So that's the challenge, right? Find those things, help them understand, connect in that way, support it and watch and document and, and share as much as you can with people that, that need that type of information. It's all good. It's the way they communicate. If it's language, if it's sign language, if it's the computer, if it's any of those ways that they can connect, find what can help build that base for them, that database of imagery in their head so that they feel more confident, they can keep up, and they can, in the end, 
be more independent and strong and could communicate better in this world. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to ASD Warrior. For more information and resources, please connect with us at asdwarrior.com. Subscribe and become a member of the ASD Warrior Village. Together, we can do more.